This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. He was the half-blood prince. Um, did we find that out in this episode? Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. And we're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Which is a show that I love, but I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. What have you been up to, Brian? Well, I've been playing Twilight Imperium online because I'm a super nerd, I guess. Yeah, it's like an eight-hour board game. It's like Catan meets Space Risk. Yeah, it's very long, but it's fun. I like it. I've also been playing Dragon Ball Fighter Z online, and that's been fun. That's on a PlayStation. Yeah. If any of you play those games, let us know, because I don't really have any desire to play them with Brian. He would like to play with people. Yeah, I want to beat people up, and I want to have space diplomacy, and Stacey wants no part of either of those things. I got to edit the podcast, baby. Okay. I also really want to play the Buffy board game, which we have. Yeah, when can we play that? Season four. Once we finish season four, we can play it. Okay, so in like over a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We'll get there. Yeah. What else is going on with you? Oh, I'm I'm part of a new show now called She Said, She Said. It's like kind of a parody of The View, and I play a character that's like a sport fan housewife with like a bunch of kids from the Midwest. It's like an alt version of me if I had done my life differently. But not the version I want. I'm very happy. This is great. What we're doing. <laughs> if you're listening to this the day it comes out, we're doing one of those shows in a couple days on January 21st at 9 Eastern time. And that'll be at twitch.tv slash sketch NYC. I'll put that in the notes for the episode too. All right, Brian. Should we get into the television we watched? Oh, yeah. It was good. Way better than Reptile Boy Week. Yes. But first we got to talk about Gilmore Girls. Season 2, episode 9, Runaway Little Boy. What? That's the title? Yeah. Run away, little boy? Did a little boy not run away? Okay. Okay, we got it. Yeah, okay. Oh, this wait. Is... Two little boys ran away. Yeah, three if you count the anointed one. Well, that's... I don't. I don't count that in this case. I like to think they're in the same universe. Okay. Brian, tell us about run away, little boy. This episode is about Rory's relationship with Tristan slash Dean, and maybe some closure on that, and also about Lorelai moving on in her love life from Max Medina. Cool. So the episode opens with Lorelai coming home uh, with some movies to watch with, I guess, Rory and Suki? Because Suki's there. Yeah. So I guess it's a movie night with Suki. I get why she's there for the plot, but not really sure why she's there in general. She's not usually there. For movie night, no. But whatever, sure. She comes home, and there's a giant wedding present. She has no idea who sent it. Nobody does. So now we're debating, should we keep it? Should we get rid of it? What's right? What's wrong? Uh, It's an ice cream maker, which it's so big and like cumbersome and totally unnecessary. But Lorelai's getting like weird emotional about it. Like, well, I've got to find out where it came from. I have to give it back. I can't keep it. I absolutely think she should give it back if she can figure out where it comes from. The problem is that there's no name on it. I agree. If they know where it comes from and they do their due diligence trying to find where it goes, then definitely they should. But like everyone else in the episode says, essentially, like, but if you can't find out where it came from, who cares? And it like showed up way late. So like screw that person for not reading the emails or whatever. Interestingly enough, in this scene, there's a joke where Lorelai says, "Uh, did you break anything, Suki? Because there's a surprise. And she's like, no. Oh, well, I wrote the boiler, which is funny because the broiler is the thing that Max Medina introduced to her. And this episode's about her moving on from Max Medina. That is interesting. I don't know that that was intentional, but I picked up on that immediately. (laughs) 
Suki's clumsy, in case we forgot, as an audience. This episode's also about Rory in her Shakespeare class. Everyone is split into groups, and those groups each take on one act of the play, and they do their own interpretation, and they're going to present that for 50% of their grade, which is a crazy amount of a grade to be based on one thing you're turning in. Of course, Paris and Rory and Madeline and Louise are all together. You know, like, the plot decides that they should be, and Paris is freaking out about it because it's, you know, it's worth so much of their grade. This whole thing is crazy because they're in a scene where... Romeo and Juliet have to kiss. And I feel like I've seen this in a bunch of, like, kids' TV shows before where it's like, oh, no, we have to do Romeo and Juliet. We have to kiss. Does this have to happen? It's a rite of passage as a child if you're on a TV show. Leaving class, Rory runs into Kevin. Remember Kevin? Henry. Leaving the class, Lorelai runs into Henry. Rory. (laughs) Who did I say? Lorelai. Well, that's her name, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, well. Looks like Kevin's right again. Rory runs into Henry, which, if you can remember, is Lane's, like, perfect boyfriend. Mm -hmm. But then Paris comes over and has this long tirade about, like, how what they're talking about is totally insignificant and not important because they need to be getting to going and getting ready to do their project. First of all, some of what they were talking about was what groups they were in. Yeah. Like, he might have been in their group for all they knew. They talked for, like... Two seconds before Paris freaked out. Yeah, her tirade is much longer than the actual conversation she interrupted. That's what I'm saying. It's like, they would have finished by now, man. Like, what are you doing? But then we learn, and you warned me he was going to be in this episode. Then we learn that Tristan's back. Yay! Yay! Tristan's back. I hate him so much. And this episode did nothing but make me hate him more. Yeah, he didn't really do much to win you over in this one. At all. They didn't even try. No. He shows up. He was suspended because he's hanging out with his new friends, Goofus and Gallant, and apparently... Duncan and Bowman. Is that better? Duncan and Bowman? It sounds like a law firm. It sounds like somewhere you get coffee that's off-brand. It kind of does. Come get some Duncan and Bowman. Or we'll sue you. (laughs) So he's hanging out with Duncan and Bowman and getting in all kinds of trubs. So he's gotten suspended. He just came back. And of course, he has to be part of their group. Nobody else wants him. Their group uh, has all women because of this random, totally not random assortment. And Brad. And they have Brad, who is such a punching bag this episode. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. Like, he gets a phone call at some point, and they're like, who are you calling? It's like, he, you don't have to be mean to him. Yeah, but his phone looked pretty lame. Okay, you're right. It did. So he deserved it. I mean, I feel like he is self-admittedly lame. He was like, please don't make me Romeo. I just, like, don't do public speaking. <laughs> I know, but you don't have to insult the man for, like, who- you're not popular enough to get a phone call. That's true. He- he's like, whatever kind of male Tristan is, Brad is the opposite. He's mega beta. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny, but also sort of sad. Uh, so Tristan comes in, and there's an argument about, like, he's definitely Romeo because he's super hot, which is also just sort of, like, so wrong in so many different levels. Yeah. But also, Rory has to be Juliet because Louise is not chaste enough. You can't be chaste on stage for two seconds? Like, if someone goes to kiss you, you're like, I gotta grope your body? I-, I think they just meant, like, the vibe of the woman should be kind of pure. Yeah, I, and she can't fake that? She okay. exudes sex all the time. Okay, sure. Do schools really make students kiss, especially like a class? Now, I went to a high school that did some weird things, admittedly. Like what, Brian? My school literally did like a fake holocaust where like a fake holocaust reenactment where we all were pretending we were prisoners the teachers would dress up in real german nazi uniforms which they got where from my english teacher who was obsessed with world war ii like he escaped germany maybe no i don't think so he was always like anti the nazis but had a weird collections of lots of nazi stuff Mm mm-hmm 
So it's just weird. Obviously, he's like, the Nazis are the bad guys. But I do collect a lot of their stuff for fun, which is so absurd and weird. And I don't know why he would bring that stuff in to show us, but he did. But the other teachers dressed up? Yes. And they would, like, come in at lunch and then, like, demand to see your papers and stuff and then, like, take you away to, like, quote, unquote, like, kill you. Like, they put you in another room. And then there was just sort of, like, at the end of the week, we just, like, saw who had lived. And the idea was Holocaust bad. And this is just to show you, like, how bad it was. But also, it was really fucked up. <laughs> like, the, the school, like, would that happen today? No way. No, this didn't happen anywhere else in America. No way would this happen today. I think that your teacher was a Nazi and this was some kind of coping mechanism. And the worst part is that I had to kiss Hitler. That last part's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest, it, no, this is, it's, so like all of that, 100% real, 100% weird. It was in Rockford, Illinois. You can look it up. You can look it up? I guess you can't. It was in the paper, and I've tried to track down the paper, but I can't find it. Holocaust days down at Rockford High. I don't even like saying the word Holocaust. Well, then it worked. So, my whole point is... This is exactly like that. My whole point was that I guess schools do make kids do weird stuff, especially in the 90s. Your thing's arguably weirder. For sure, it is. Meanwhile, Lorelai is trying to track down who this gift belongs to, and she can't find out at all. There's some funny stuff with her talking to a very religious uh, relative on the phone. Rory shows up and is like, hey, can you make costumes, Mom? Uh, I need you to make a bunch. Just do it. And her mom's like, okay, sure, no problem. Also, Rory's like playing telephone operator for Lane and Henry. I guess the reason Henry wanted to talk to Rory was so that he could call Rory, and then Rory could, like, three-way call. Remember that? Three-way calls? You guys remember that? Party line? Mm-hmm. So that when Lane's mom picked up and was like, who is this? She could be like, hey, it's me. It's just girl talking, you know, some girl talk. So that's why I'm calling. She gives the phone to Lane, and then, boom, Henry picks up and starts talking. It's a really healthy way to start a relationship. Yeah. Lorelai's heading out because she's going to go to that management class that we barely ever mention. But, but now it's useful to the plot. Yeah, she's committed to this way more than she was to Max Medina. She's going to the class tonight and she runs into a guy she flirts with by the vending machine. This guy who's like, hey, we should go on a date sometime. And she laughs about it. But clearly there's a little, you know, a little spark there. A little spark. He looks younger than her, but not like crazy younger. Yeah, I didn't even notice that he looked younger than her until you pointed it out. I think I like remembered where this was going. Yeah, I mean, they've actually made him try to, he's got like, a suit on and stuff they're trying to make him look yeah he looks like sophisticated for like a college student but i'm guessing he's more close in age to like a college student than she is he gives her a card and's like hey if you change your mind give me a call back lorelei doesn't want to do it but the next day at the inn suki and michelle are having a fun spirited debate about his food consumption this is, is this a running thing that he's watching his weight because the dude is thin as shit so many scenes start with suki and michelle having a fight about food and you just know lorelei is going to walk in with her problem any second uh, and just like monologue about it <laughs> and that's exactly what happens yeah and she comes in and she's all upset and this is where we find out that she's got an ice cream maker here at work, so you don't need that one at home. Can it broil? You need a broiler is what you need right now. Suki really points out like, hey, you've been really emotional about this thing. You need to move on. You need to date a little casually. So she decides to give this guy a call back, and she's going to go on a date with him. But before she can go on this date, that night, Rory's got a problem. All of the next part is insane. Paris calls and is like, hey, 
we've booked Miss Patty's place because we don't want the other teams to like see what we're doing and like steal our ideas. I don't really understand what they're going to do. It doesn't really make sense because they are supposed to interpret Shakespeare however they like. Yeah. Like they could do it in a different style to sort of reflect the themes of the act. Yeah. But Paris is just having them do it regular. There's nothing to steal. Yes, I, I don't. The other people are the ones that have different ideas of how to interpret it. Yeah, like cavemen and businessmen. So they're going to rehearse at Patty's place. Everyone apparently is fine with this. Rory's like, hey, I can't do it. And Paris is so unforgiving. She's like, you're gonna do it. Tough. We're doing it now. But Rory's freaking out because, you know, if Tristan, who's in the group now, is in her town, he'll definitely run into Dean, which is like, will that happen? I mean, mean, it does. (laughs) It does happen. But should it have happened? It's the same probability of all those friends being put in the same group randomly. So before Rory can go to this rehearsal, she's like freaking out what to do. Should she tell Dean about Tristan? She has to. Because otherwise Tristan's gonna tell Dean that they kissed one time. And so Rory and her mom Um, like do a little role play thing where they play out how this would go if she were to tell Dean and I feel like it goes pretty accurately like Lorelai really plays a hurt Dean when he finds out that she kissed Tristan the night after he said I love you and she didn't say it back so they decide maybe she shouldn't tell Dean so she does not I'm really interested in this concept of like hiding the truth to spare someone's feelings because I I feel like I feel like the show's gonna be inconsistent about its message on this and I'm interested to see how it goes because Lorelai's like the adult thing to do is to just keep it to yourself but like is it and also it's not that Rory is like hey I want to tell Dean this to like unburden myself of this guilt it's more like I have to tell Dean because Tristan is like a ticking time bomb he's gonna tell Dean yeah I mean it's tricky because Rory didn't really technically do anything wrong there was no cheating Dean dumped her we actually didn't see them break up so who knows it's one of those things where it's like yeah but it's still hurtful that the day I told you I loved you you went and go kiss this dude I hate yeah yeah I don't know if she should have told Dean I would have out of, I mean, if I'm being real, just out of fear. Like, this is going to come out someday. At the rehearsal space, there's a bunch of funny stuff. Miss Patty is doing breathing exercises while she's smoking, which is great. She tells Paris she needs to chill out or her face will get stuck that way. <laughs> but then Paris is, like, yelling at her, and she's like, you can't rush a cool down. And then Miss Patty, like, straight up, like, takes a little nap. <laughs> that was all funny. So they were, of course, Paris is just like over the top again. Like, I paid good money for this. And where I'm from, money talks. It's like, are you from the 20s? Are you a reporter from the 20s? Are you, do you have a radio show where you're betting on horses? Well, I think she didn't have that accent. I think you gave that to her just now. But Tristan goes to the market. That was funny. They said they had to go get cigarettes to remind them that he's bad. <laughs> yeah. This little piggy goes to the market, of course, and just picks a fight with Dean. Starts talking smack to him, knocking stuff on the ground, degrading him at his job. Uh, and then Rory comes and is like, hey, don't be mad. Everything's great. Uh, I'm sorry, that, but we're going to have to kiss in this play. I hope you're cool with it. And then Dean is like, I'll walk it off. After rehearsal, Rory's eating a burger alone at Luke's. Lorelai comes in. She's still hungry because her date took her to a place with small portions. And she had a fine time. She's really excited that she went on a casual date. But she's like, this isn't going anywhere. We don't have a lot of chemistry. It's whatever. I'm a casual dater. And then Dean comes in. And he's like, you know, Rory, I don't work tomorrow night. If you're rehearsing again, I might just, like, come watch you and make it awkward. And Rory's like, I actually don't want that. And Dean's like, well, I'm going to do that. So I'm just going to do it. If you don't want it. She's like, no, no. He's like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's very forceful. It's very Max Medina. I don't know that I want to be there. I mean, it's like, do you want to have that tension between you and Tristan the whole time? You either trust your girlfriend not to, like, make out with him or you don't. The next day at school, Rory's like, Tristan, can you, like, not tell Dean that we kissed one time? We do get to see Duncan and uh, Malone or whatever the hell his name is. Bowman. And they're 27 years old. They're so tall. 
Um, they have to leave, though, because they've got real actual adult jobs to get to. Um, yeah. They're not the little boys that ran away. They're old, old boys. Yeah, they ran away as boys and became trees. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, he's just such a piece of garbage. I hate him. You could tell he's upset when she's when he's hurt. Oh, no, he's hurt when she says that I kissed you and I didn't mean anything. Oh, no. Oh, oh, poor Tristan. He'll have to cover his wounds in money. He'll have to patch his broken heart with gold. He's upset, clearly, but he promises he won't say anything about it. Later that day at Luke's, Rory's eating another hamburger, which she had one the night before at Luke's. You got to spice it up a little bit, lady. You can't eat the same thing all the time. Well, to be fair, she's not eating it. That's true. They're like, you're not eating your hamburger. She's probably like, because I had one yesterday. Remember, Luke, when you overheard about my mother going on a date and you were clearly upset? Oh, yeah, that did happen. I didn't see it, but I felt it. But then lo and behold, we see some noisy people come in, which we know have to be important. Whenever you see background people that are going to be foreground people soon enough, you can just tell. Yeah, either that or they're very bad extras that should get fired for stealing the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They walk in and it's a guy in a South Park shirt and like a baseball cap, someone very young looking. And of course, it's her date. Lorelai's date. From the night before. Somehow they've done a very good job of making him look like a child. Yeah. Very excited to be out on the town with his parents for the afternoon. <laughs> Apparently Lorelai has talked up the town and he wants to see all of it. Yeah, it's weird. She like told him about Luke and Rachel. And then he told his parents about those things. Yeah. And they're all excited to hear and experience them. Kind of silly. They leave. Everyone gives Lorelai so much shit. All of this is funny. Luke like, makes some kids move away from her because he feels uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, she's going to try to date the children. Yeah, that was all fun. Rory suggested he carry around a lollipop and a yo-yo and wear a little helicopter hat. I'm like, that's just every day in Sunnydale with these teens. (laughs) Yeah. At rehearsal, where Rory brought her hamburger. I hope it didn't have onions on it. Mm. Uh, She's doing her scenes with Tristan, who didn't memorize any of his lines. I think he did. He's just trying to play up the fact that he has to kiss Rory in front of Dean. Yeah, that's true. And then he like sort of like false tells the story of the kiss. Of course, it's one of those. What about that first time we kissed? In act one, Juliet. Uh, And then she's freaking out. You know, she doesn't want Dean to find out. And they start getting in each other's face again. And she's like, Dean, can you not be here? Because all of this is insane. And there's no reason for you to be here. And why are you here? I asked you not to be. She doesn't say all that, but that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. Get him, Rory. And he's like, cool, I'll leave. Then we're at Luke's again? Is this the same day? This time Lorelai's having a meal with Suki. Yeah, there's a lot of Luke's attendance in this episode. I think it's just also Luke can hear what's going on in Lorelai's life. Mm Mm-hmm. Which he does. Everyone is still making fun of Lorelai. It's still funny. Yeah, but Lorelai kind of blows up a little bit at Luke, like how it's not cool that he's doing that. Then you can tell he's not just doing it to rib her. He's actually upset, somehow hurt. We know why he's hurt, because he's in love with her. Yeah, he's like, this is just so embarrassing that you're doing this. But it was kind of mean. But just like two episodes ago, she told him he wasn't allowed to date a woman that she kind of knows. So I think it's they're even now. Bootsy's at the bar. He's got one line. Which is, here you're dating a kid. <laughs> yeah. I dated an old woman once who died. Love you, Bootsy. Hope you're around forever. Finally, we see the play. The first act is uh, cavemen. The second act we see is like West Side Story or just like businessmen or corporations. Yeah, it almost felt like Wall Street. Or Was it like the Leonardo DiCaprio version where they're like modern day? I don't know. But uh, Lane is there to watch the play because Henry is in the businessman act. And she's super into it. She's really excited she's to see him. Swooning. Paris is freaking out because Tristan isn't there yet. He shows up last second. And he's like, I can't do it because I got kicked out of school. Yes, you're out, Tristan. You're leaving, buddy. I hope you get hit by a car when you leave the school. Well, his dad pulled him out of the school. He still could get hit by a car. Yeah. 
that he got pulled out because of his shenanigans with his law firm friends, Duncan and Bowman. And we discussed this, but it seems to me like Rory is like too sympathetically asking him what happened and what he did. Like they're not close friends, so you don't have a right to be like, what's the thing that really, like what did you do to piss off your dad? Give me the deets. But also she said it so like compassionately, like you got to tell me, like I'll fix it. Two things. I get wanting to know, but I guess I would just like wait to hear it from Louise or whatever. But also this is like the third time she's like talked to him compassionately, including earlier in this episode Mm -hmm. when she was like trying to tell him to make his life better. But also in the episode where she was like trying to get him to date better women, i.e. Paris, Mm -hmm. she had a similar conversation. It was like, listen, I know what's best for everybody, which is maybe shitty of her to think she knows what's best for him. But also he could use some help probably. I just feel like it's one thing to ask him like incredulously, like, what did you do? It's another thing to be like, oh, tell me what happened. You don't have that friendship. But anyway, he broke into his friend's dad's safe, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of bad. I'm assuming there was a lot of money and gold in there. And he's going to military school, and I love it, and I hope it's hard for him, and he doesn't do well, and he's like at the bottom of the pecking order there, and then people there like make him wash their feet. Sometimes I see people being like, oh, I wonder what would have happened if Rory and Tristan got together. I'm like, what? why would we want that? One thing that would have happened is I would have stopped watching the show. <laughs> I just, I don't see any spark of like wanting that. I mean, I guess I see where they tried to sprinkle that in. I think if he wasn't leaving the show, you told me he has, he got a gig on another show. Yeah, right? I, I told you, I think they brought Jess in to have a bad boy figure because they lost Tristan, the actor, to One Tree Hill. I thought it was clear they were like setting up that there was going to be some kind of love thing between them. Yeah, I mean, I think they were, and then they lost him, so they brought in Jess instead. Right. But where we're at now with Jess and where we're at with Tristan is very different. Like, Jess is a piece of shit, but him and Rory at least, like, bond over something. So Paris is the director of this whole play, but she decides to take Tristan's place. That was funny. I want to make that clear. That was funny. But this doesn't make sense, because they end the play early, before the kiss. They cut the lights after Romeo dies. That's not how Romeo and Juliet goes. No. Romeo sees Juliet fake dead. He takes some poison, kills himself. She wakes up, tries to kiss him to get the poison herself. It doesn't work, so she stabs herself to death. Maybe that's act six. (laughs) Okay, it's just that and like the (laughs) chorus. Yep. There isn't a kiss then if they cut that. Well, I think Paris chickened out on the kiss. Yeah. Anyways. After the play, Suki and Lorelai are getting their coats from a coat check, which has someone watching it, but I don't know why. They just hand him a ticket, and then he lets them take whatever coat they want. But Suki reminds Lorelai that Luke is in love with her, which she's done before. I guess Lorelai forgot. She acts like this is weird news. Clearly she knows. She just wants him as a friend. So then they go to Luke's, and she has a little check-in with Luke. And she's like, do you know anything about dating? I'm like, you're going to ask him out? Interesting. Season two, we're doing this? And then she's just like, you know, I just have some people in my life that I just want to always be there, and I'll always be there for. And then she names him, and it's supposed to be, like, heartfelt. He says he's there for her, too. I mean, obviously, he's in love with her. I don't know. I thought it was a nice moment. I would say it's a nice moment if he wasn't in love with her. It's like a weird, like, hey, will you still, like, pine for me, but, like, without being weird about it? Yeah, maybe it was a little weird, because Sugi just said he was in love with her, and she's like, hey, I just want to make sure we're best friends, though. I don't know. I feel like it had some romance behind it, because then they, like, flirt and talk about the play. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. It's weird. I think it was just the writer's cop-out of leaving it open. They've rekindled their strong friendship. The next episode could be about them dating, or... We could have a curveball. Or it could just be like a funeral because Tristan died and everyone has to go. Yeah, Luke would go to Tristan's funeral, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Okay, so just to recap, the little boys that run away are Tristan, the two boys that Luke makes run away from the counter. Jess, because he's not in this episode. 
Dean runs away from the grocery store when he's upset about Tristan. And the guy that Lorelai's dating, it doesn't run away. I mean, he probably runs down the streets given with his parents. Lots of boys running away. So Stacy, do you think this is a good episode? I did. I kind of thought this wouldn't be a good one. When I saw that it was about Tristan, I didn't remember if this was the one where Tristan left or not. Uh, it is. Thank God he's gone. <laughs> I hate him so much. And I just assumed I would hate the storyline with like him and Dean and all the jealousy. And I kind of did. Mm-hmm. But I thought everything else was fun. Like the jokes with Lorelai dating that younger guy were all really funny. All the stuff with like Paris and Miss Patty. There was a lot of good jokes in this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we laughed a lot. I think the drama was a little bit like whatever, but I do think that it was ri- the jokes were written well. Yeah, it's uh, one of the better ones recently, I think. Mm-hmm. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile Uncharmed, Season 2, Episode 9, Miss Hellfire... Prue goes undercover to find out who sent an assassin to kill them and other witches on Friday the 13th. Okay, so this is obviously a Mrs. Doubtfire reference? Oh, for sure. Don't they live in San Francisco? I'm pretty sure that's where Mrs. Doubtfire takes place. They probably just saw Mrs. Doubtfire happening across the street, and they're like, oh, let's just do that, but for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they get, you know, Robin Williams' brother from Mm. Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah, this guy. Harvey Firestein. Firestein. And he makes her this whole demon bodysuit. It's got boobs. That's just kind of part of it. All the ones he has made have boobs. So she's like, oh, man, most demons are men. I was trying to kind of go for that, but I guess I'll be a female demon. This is another very empowering uh, episode for female villains. So Prue's in her costume. She looks fine. It's not what she wanted. She looks like a convincing enough motherly female demon. And she goes out on the night of Friday the 13th to figure out Who's trying to kill her and her sisters and all the other witches in town? But this demon's got hot flashes. Yes. She's got to do the whole thing where she beats her breasts once they start on fire. So she's like looking all over town, knocking on doors, saying, hello. Mm-hmm. And she's like got to go home and take a break. She's tired. She opens up the cupboard to make herself a spot of tea. And she sees little Andy in the cupboard making a list, checking it twice. He knows which witches are naughty and nice. He's the one that sent the assassin. The one in the cupboard? Yeah, Andy. Okay, what do they do about it? Well, they just like talk to him and they're like, Andy, what's up? And he's like, you guys haven't been paying attention to me. And they're fine with the fact that he sent this assassin to kill them and other witches? Everyone admits it was an extreme reaction to them just like not paying attention to him for a few episodes. Why other witches? He wanted to make the papers. Right. And he did. And he got their attention. And now I think Andy's going to be a bigger part of the show again. Can you, we forgive a character who just tried to kill everyone? Well, I for don't... For attention? For literally attention? It didn't work. It didn't work. Oh, so that makes it okay. Yeah. He has to agree to marry whichever one of them finds a husband last. Okay, so Piper. Maybe Piper. But yeah, he's going to have to marry one of them someday. That's his punishment. Sure. This is Ben. Meanwhile on Charmed. So this week, we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 9, What's My Line, Part 1. What happened, Stace? So it's career week, and Buffy's coming to terms again with the fact that she's never going to have a real career. She's upset about that. Not only that, there are a group of like new bounty hunters that seem to be after her so that Spike can complete the ritual to bring Drusilla back to health. And Angel gets into a whole lot of trouble... Next time I'm Buffy. Dun, dun, dun. So it's career week at school. 
all the kids are filling out like forms to figure out what job they're supposed to have. And Buffy's like, this is dumb. I know what my job is forever. And she's right. I'm like, why, why does she need to do this? Are Xander and Cordelia going to fuck at some point? There's so much sexual tension. Yeah, they yell at each other a lot. You didn't answer my question, which leads me to believe they do. They don't. Which leads me to believe they do. They don't. Cut to Spike's lair. He's got his own Giles now, who he's like tasked with trying to read the book that they stole a few episodes ago, and he just can't. It's like really hard Latin, I guess. His name's Dalton, which he's like a super nerdy vampire. Where'd they get this guy? Is he a new vampire? Did they just make him? I'm guessing from his clothes that he's been around for a while. I know, but he just like seems like such a, a new dork. You think he's in because he has glasses? The way he talks. Okay. He just doesn't seem like he's bitten anybody yet. He's like a vampire virgin. Okay, okay. Anyway, they're looking for a cure. Drusilla's got some tarot cards and something about needing to find the key. And she points to this one and it's like this mausoleum cut to Buffy at that exact location. And she's kind of creeping around the graveyard. She peeks into the mausoleum and Dalton is in there stealing something. Another vampire pops up behind Buffy and she fights that one and then Dalton disappears with whatever he stole. Buffy gets home, and Angel's just in her room, which I guess is fine. He somehow knows it's career week, and she's like, how'd you know? He's like, I lurk. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really answer the question. Like, where was he lurking? She makes a joke about him being a cradle robber, and they smile because it's uh, funny. E- yeah, it's hilarious. She calls him a cradle robbing creature of the night boyfriend, which is sweet. So I feel like we don't need to mention again that Angel's so much older than Buffy. We keep mentioning it. I feel that way too, but they keep bringing it up. I know, they they bring it up and then they laugh it off. But it's like, okay, but like, have you guys thought about it? If they just didn't draw attention to it, I, I would have moved past it. I had told myself I just had to accept it, but like, they talk about it every other episode. Yeah, I'm done talking about it until next episode when they bring it up again. Same. I feel like if you accept the tone of the show, the tone of the show isn't Angel's a pedophile. No. The tone of the show is he's a romantic vampire who has legitimately fallen in love with this young woman who legitimately has fallen in love with him. So Angel's lurking around her room, and he sees a picture of her skating as a little girl. He's holding Gordo. Have we met Gordo? They said that like I should know Gordo. That's Gordo. Okay, so we meet Gordo in this episode. Gordo's her... Fat little little friend. (laughs) (laughs) Gordo is her stuffed pig animal. Okay. Cool. So then Angel's like, well, I could take you skating sometime. There's this rink that's close on Tuesdays. We I mean, could- now you're making him sound like a pedophile. Like, that voice is not That's how he talks. Sound. Hey, Bobby, you want to come on down by the docks? It'd be night? weird if we went when they were open, because yeah. then they would know I was into children. I mean, why are- why can't they go when they're open? Why do they have to break into a place? Yeah, this doesn't make sense. Just go when they're supposed to have people there. There's not going to be, like, mirrors everywhere. She doesn't question this. The next day at school, the results of the tests are back. Cordelia is supposed to be a motivational speaker. Xander's supposed to be a prison guard, even though he's wearing chef pants for some reason. (laughs) Xander's pants never make sense. Buffy's supposed to be a cop, which, I mean, that makes sense. She's got the skills for that. Willow isn't on the list for some reason? Weird. Giles is carrying a stack of books that is clearly held together by some kind of device. Yeah, there's clearly like a rod through all of these books because no one could hold that many. Yeah, they tip a little and they they would have all fallen apart if these were natural books. Also, where is he moving the books to? Aren't they all in the library? Where are you getting the books from? Doesn't he have a cart or a backpack or something? Buffy tells him that she saw this vampire steal something. He is really mad that she doesn't know what it is. To be fair, like maybe she should have looked a little harder, but he did disappear. And they have a conversation again about how Buffy just wants to be normal. He's like, you can't. This is our life. And then she was like, yeah, this is my life till I die. 
Yeah. Mm. Hmm. So Spike and Drew are discovering what Dalton stole for them, and it's a cross. Which I feel like they hold way too close to each other. Like, she makes a comment about it burning, but I'm like, yeah, but doesn't it bother you a lot? This is just the first step in the process to healing her. The next step is to get rid of the Slayer, and to do that, they're going to bring in the big guns. And the big guns are bounty hunters? The Order of Taraka. They've already done this plot. They brought in bounty hunters in season one. After the master realized he'd killed half his staff, he's like, I'm going to get some outside help. It's a big deal. It's really scary. And then the master kills them too. But we get to see a bunch of them arriving. There's like a cosmetic salesman who's super creepy and like made of bugs. His name is Norman Fister, and he's a door-to-door salesman. And he sets up shop in, like, Buffy's neighbor's house, like, kills the neighbor and, like, takes her place. There's a creepy dude that gets off a bus. He looks like a knockoff version of, like, a Danny Trejo action figure. And there's a woman that's, like, on a plane that overpowers the plane attendant. And then runs out, and then she's off to find Buffy. Snyder's also looking for Buffy at school. He's always looking for her. And why does he have a shop? He hates these kids so much. To be fair, Xander calls him a Tiny man. That was pretty funny. Yes. But then he just like spews some hate right back at Xander. That was funny too. I think in season three, in towards the end of season two, they maybe justify why Snyder's a little bit on Buffy's case, but uh, I don't know. Meanwhile, some suited men come in and whisk Willow off to a secret room and they're like, we've been watching you. The test you took didn't matter. We've been just like creeping on you and we know you're really good at computers. So you're going to be in this special program that we're not going to mention the rest of the episode. But Oz is here too. Have some shrimp. Yeah, it's like a like some weird like businessy coding thing. But Oz is the only other student who met the same criteria as she did. Hmm, interesting. Buffy's running away from school back to the graveyard to make Giles happy. He follows her. Is there more than one graveyard in this town? There's got to be. There's a lot. I mean, a lot of people die, so it wouldn't be surprising if there's a lot of graveyards. And they discover that the mausoleum in question belongs to Mr. Duloc, who is an excommunicated priest for like doing weird dark arts stuff. And he wrote the book that got stolen, which Spike now has, that's being interpreted. It turns out he was the half-blood prince. Um, did we find that out in this episode? No, no, that's, I'm thinking of Harry Potter. So back at the library, Giles is explaining to the kids that the cross helps decipher the text in this book, which he discovers in a Nat Geo magazine. Yeah, this was clearly like a flaw. (laughs) Allison Hannigan says, it says here that he destroyed all these crosses in the past. Like, National Geographic, the magazine she's reading, definitely did not say that. Anyway, their plan is to figure this out before the vampires can. That's a good plan. Don't know how you're going to pull it off. With Xander. Yeah, Xander's like part of the smart crew in this. They, they label him as one of the, the books team. I'm like, I don't, he's just there for jokes generally. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's just another pair of eyes. If we're looking for demons with a nose for feet, that's another person to skim through all those books. That's true. But Buffy gets out of this because she's got her skating date. Angel is not there, but bus creep Danny Trejo is. He attacks her, which then Angel shows up just in time to help fight this guy off. And Buffy slices him in the throat with her skate. Not Angel, the evil Turaka guy. No, she makes out with Angel instead. But Angel's all like, don't look at me, uh, my face is all ugly. And she's like, oh, I didn't even notice. And they kiss while he's still in vampire face. Yeah, can he just turn it off? Like, he can turn it on. Can't he just, like, not have it if, she, if he's worried about it? I yeah, don't... I think you can't. I mean, I think I'm, yeah, I think it's linked to emotions, but. I don't know the rules. Like, if he's embarrassed about it, couldn't he just be like, mm, think about sexy lurking face instead of this? <laughs> But then Kendra walks by and sees Buffy. We don't know her name is Kendra yet. No. So the lady from the airplane is in the ice rink and she sees Buffy kissing Angel. She's going to kill Buffy too now, right? But no, we cut away from this. 
But here's some fun misdirect, right? Like, we're led to believe up until this moment that she is one of the bounty hunters. Back at the library, Giles is explaining to the gang that the Order of Taraka are bounty hunters. Badass bounty hunters. They're ruthless. They aren't necessarily demons. They can be different kinds of creatures. Some could be human. Norman Fister maybe is a human, but like also made of maggots. I don't know what Busman is. He was maybe human. But they're like relentless. Like they won't stop coming. Even if she kills one, more of them will come until the task is complete. And the task is to destroy Buffy. So they're like, we gotta hide you, Buffy. I'm gonna get you out of here. So Buffy is like, cool, I'm gonna wander around in the dark. By myself, totally exposed. She like strangles Oz briefly before she does that. That was mean. Yeah, she apologizes though, so yeah. it's all good. But then she like breaks into Angel's place. He's not there and she takes a little nap in his bed and remembers how much she loves him and how safe she feels even though she didn't lock the door behind her. Yeah, it's like if they know about your relationship with the Angel, they're gonna look at his place too. Angel has gone to a bar where he seems to know a human man named Willie who seems to know that Angel and Spike and all these people are vampires? Is this just like a vampire hangout? This is his uh, criminal informant, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Supernatural informant, his SI. He threatens Willie. He wants to know, like, who sent these bounty hunters. And he's like, Spike, I don't know. Don't kill me. Angel, I love you. And then, bam, airplane lady shows up. She locks Angel in the library cage that's in the back of the bar. She's like, tell me where that girl is that you were kissing. He's like, I won't. She's like, well, I'm gonna find him and you're gonna die because the sun's coming up. Yeah, what's he gonna do? I feel like he could break out of that cage. The library cage in the library people have broken out of. Not vampires. Mm -mm. So then it's morning. Willow slept at the library. Her parents are not concerned. She had a dream about tadpoles. Is that gonna come back that she's afraid of frogs? I, I don't feel know like that it does. It should. <laughs> Giles overnight has found out that the book that was stolen contains a ritual to restore a vampire, aka Drusilla. But Spike and Drusilla have discovered the missing link to curing Drusilla, and Drusilla points at one of her tarot cards, and it's like a demon with wings, which makes me think it's Angel. That would make sense. So maybe the missing link is like the thing that made her become a vampire, like blood from him or whatever mm -hmm. vampires have that's not blood. His soul, his fangs, something. Right. They must have blood. Yeah, they got blood. But he's got a whole spinoff to do, so I think he'll be fine. Mm. Mm. Mm? Mm. Then we're at Buffy's house. By the way, Buffy's mom has been gone. Several episodes out of town. She Halloween, just, she's been gone since maybe. Yeah, I don't know if it seems like she's sort of abandoned Buffy. She's just conveniently gone a lot. It works well for Buffy's lifestyle, but and Buffy still goes in and out of her window out of habit. Yeah, that was kind of funny because I literally was like, why'd you come in your window? And then Angel asks her that. Yeah. <laughs> Xander and Cordelia have gone to Buffy's house to look for her because she's still missing. They just break in, which, like, maybe Buffy should have sealed up her house a bit better if it's that easy to break in and there's, like, bounty hunters after her. Well, she's not there, so... Yeah, guess... but she also didn't seal up Angel's house. Yeah, she's not big on sealing houses, okay? Cordelia and Xander are there. Xander's looking upstairs. Norman Fister's like, knock, knock, pretty lady. I bet you want to buy some cosmetics. And... Since you're getting so old, you probably want to look young again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> And so she, of course, lets him in. Cordelia. Cordelia. Angel's still trapped. Gonna get sunlighted pretty soon. And then Buffy wakes up in Angel's bed. And the airplane lady is there to fight her. They fight. Then they stop. And the airplane lady's like, who are you? And Buffy's like, who am I? Who are you? And she's like, I'm Kendra the Vampire Slayer. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> Once in a generation is a vampire slayer. There's no more than that. But Buffy did... But do you not remember the movie? 
No, I don't remember the movie. I mean, I know you want to black it out. I don't know what you're leading me to say, but I do know that Buffy died, so maybe yes. another Slayer was born? Yeah, 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 yeah. What does that have to do with the movie? In the movie, they make it clear that when a Slayer dies, another one is reborn, I think. Oh. Um, well, yeah, I'm guessing that's what happened. She's a new Slayer, because Buffy was temporarily dead. Mm-hmm, I guess it's mm-hmm. cool that there's two. Maybe she'll just do all the slaying, and Buffy can, like, have a normal life. That's sort of the suggestion of the episode, isn't it? Yeah, but there's a whole second part. Yeah, big cliffhanger. A lot to deal with in episode two. A lot happened. A lot happened. It was a lot of setup, right? The whole Spike Angel thing set up. The bounty hunter set up. The... Buffy looking for her own life set up. Buffy becoming a figure skater set up. Giles trying to figure out what the hell's going on. This whole episode is just Giles been like, I don't, taking his glasses off and rubbing his eyes. Just That's going, the I whole don't know. series. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, was this a good episode? I think it was a good episode, yeah. I had plenty of little laughs in it and a lot of uh, good setup, I think. I will say, as a standalone episode, it suffers because it is so much setup to be paid off in another episode. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say it was a bad episode, but without its companion, I don't know. Absolutely. It's hard to judge it. I think it's supposed to be, you know, watched back to back. I don't remember if that's how it aired, but that's definitely, I think, how it should be watched. It's just too much like, and this is coming, and this is coming, and this is coming, but not now. Yeah, Spike and Drusilla in this one are just like kind of waiting for this book to be translated. So I feel like in the next part, their role will be a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Angel won't stay in the library cage much longer. He dies. I'm interested in this Willie fellow. Oh, he's coming back. Clearly, some humans are chill with vampires. Do vampires hang out at bars? I mean, Angel does. Well, I mean, he makes it clear that vampires don't mess with him, right? Yeah. It's weird because they, they set up that Willow's in this, like, very secretive select program, but then Willow's just, like, doing normal stuff after that the rest of the episode. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in where this goes, but I guess a lot of it felt like it was just setting up and treading water. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, it definitely set up loose ends that I'm interested in. Like, these bounty hunters are all definitely unique. Maggot Man is interesting. Yeah, he's fun. Bad name. Okay, so, Stacy, which episode do you think was better this week? It's so hard. I think I'm going to go Gilmore. It was just a more complete episode. It's not fair, really, but it was a really good episode of Gilmore Girls. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, I'm maybe more focused on, like, getting rid of evil, so I also have to go with Gilmore Girls because uh, Tristan uh, is vanquished. Finally! Yes, we vanquished Tristan, and and Buffy just introduced more evil. Yeah, and we got to just watch that evil just go to the military school he deserves to go to. Oh, I hope it's hard. I hope it's rough there, and you hate it, and you reevaluate your whole life. I feel bad not giving what's my line the win almost because I feel like it I feel like it is good and so is the next one but uh, we're going episode by episode so I have to go with Gilmore Girls it was a really solid episode of Gilmore Girls there was a lot of good jokes in it yeah not a ton of flaws other than the drama felt a little stupid absolutely do agree that the drama was not perfect but I mean sometimes you know it's not going to be perfect and if there's enough jokes to balance it out then I'm going to vote for it good jokes will win it every time for me or emotions we've learned shut up Wow, Brian voted for a Tristan-focused episode. Yeah, I mean, it focused on him leaving and getting his comeuppance. It's true. I wish every episode ended with like a letter from him about how bad things were going. Anyway, I'm not better. (laughs) Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts about either or both of these episodes. Did your school do Romeo and Juliet? Do you think Rory should have told Dean about the kiss? If you were a bounty hunter, what would you be? What did your high school career aptitude test tell you? 
Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for comedy content not related to our podcast, you can follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 2, Episode 10, What's My Line, Part 2. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 10, The Bracebridge Dinner, which, Brian, is a beloved episode. I don't remember it super well, but I know it's a fan favorite. So this is going to be... A showdown. Yeah. I can't wait to see which of Rory's bounty hunters dies. I'm going to keep an eye out for bounty hunters in the background of Gilmore Girls. Yeah. You never know. Bye.